Welcome to the Table of Perspective, where we take a deeper look into how the internal narrative of an individual determines their response to life itself and all it entails. Today, I am your host, Bula, and I will be doing a little bit of a coverage on a book called Experiencing a Deeper Christian Life by Andrew Murray. We're going to go straight into the first song, and then after that, we will get straight into it. So do enjoy. Join I hear you going through some things and it's getting tough, but... I see you got my word with you, it's a shame how the pain, only thing make you pick it up uh, And you complain when it rains just once, but I never hear thanks for that hundred days with the sun Could've ran to me first, ran to the drink first, and now I gotta have this conversation with you when you drunk See, before I even start addressing it, I don't owe you any answers, so don't get used to it But I feel like you being genuine, but the truth is you can't handle the truth, Lucas But you kept it a buck and I love that If I kept it a buck back, could you take what you stepping in? I know it's other folk to feel like you So first thing I'ma do is let you know who you questioning I am the God who created the earth I knew you start feeling yourself, so I made you from dirt Ain't no battery in your body, so who making it work? I made the earth perfect, it's y'all making it work Who put the seed in the fruit, put the fruit in the tree And that tree in another little seed but me Then turn around and made you the same way after that But you was in your daddy's sack and it's dad daddy's sack I am the one that put breath in your lungs and created the same mind that you question me from. You were lost, I'm the way, I'm the potter, you the clay, and now the clay got something to say. Okay, you can never check me, so check this, your standard for right and wrong is me. I am the checklist, I am right, wrong is whatever you're left with. I am life, you without me is what death is. I am the judge, you answer me. If I throw lightning, who throws it back at me? And if all this falls, who can stand but me? You go to the cross, but you cross-examine me. You say I'm made mistakes, you mistaken me. You made gods out of men who were clay to me. You put lives over lives that you ain't create. Then fill away, cause all flesh the same to me. What if some of the people you naming to me wasn't really everything that you made them to be? Or worse, what if they are and I take them with me? Are you telling me it's any better place they could be? Either way, you don't know, you just gotta push through. Cause why you over here saying what I should do? Somebody lost somebody last week and came at me the same way saying I should've took you. You ask why the good die young, but the truth is none of y'all are good, not one. Not the one. only one ever been good's my son, so to answer your question, the good died once. Jesus. What if I told you to choose when your mom died? Mom died. You think you could choose when your mom died? Huh? If you put it off 20 years away, 20 years later when that day came, would you not cry? Huh? You couldn't be God, you were not I. My ways are not yours, your thoughts are not mine. You can't even deal with the pressure of your own life when you're not high. Try looking in the God mind. Real See, I love them more than you ever did, more than you ever could. Death doesn't lessen it. Let my own son meet death as the evidence. And I love them all, rap star to the president. The real question is, what you living like? If I punish every sin, would you live tonight? So how you get mad when I get a mother folks? Same chances I give you to get it right. You got a son that one day will be a man. You expect him to trust you and he don't understand or even know what you up to. Because he knows that you love him, right? So trust that I love you. Yeah. 
So, experiencing a deeper Christian life by Andrew Murray. Um, just a little bit on Andrew Murray. Uh, he was born in 1828 and he died in 1917. He was an amazingly um, prolific Christian writer. He lived and ministered as both a pastor and an author in the towns and villages of South Africa. And new books from his pen were awaited with great eagerness. Many people around the world have hailed Andrew Murray as their spiritual father and given credit for much of their Christian growth due to the influence of his profound insights. Um, so a little bit about this specific book. I was probably around 14 years old and I had just um, started coming to the idea of Christianity, of salvation. And actually, um, you know, I hadn't really heard much of it uh, growing up. I didn't really actually go to church. I didn't do Sunday school. Um, we had a very interesting household dynamic. Um, but when I was around 14 and I was in a Christian school, surprisingly, it was very funny that my parents put me there. Um, I had started, you know, just considering the idea of, of, you know, who Christ was and what his sacrifice actually meant. And in order to try and understand a bit more about that, I had picked this book up. So it was actually a three-in-one collection, and it went into three parts of his um, the breakdowns of what he would write. And it started with humility, then the deeper Christian life, and then experiencing the Holy Spirit. And those are basically three fundamentals of you know Christianity, of coming to Christ, of building your life in Christ, and actually living a surrendered life. Um, so about the book, it says that experiencing a deeper Christian life is a compilation of three cra- uh, classic works written by the renowned and best-loved author Andrew Murray. In Humility the first book, Andrew Murray shows that humble dependence on God is the basis of all genuine blessing. While in the deeper Christian life, he makes the secrets of successful Christian life easy and understandable to all believers. In experiencing the Holy Spirit, he discusses the importance and power of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. Um, This Andrew Murray 3-in-1 collection is ideal for new believers as well as those desiring a closer and deeper walk with God. So uh, just a little bit on the first pages of the book. Um, In the preface, it speaks of how there are three great motives that urge us to humility. And now this is um, in the preface of the entirety of the book, so it's not breaking down each chapter. Um, And then it says that it strengthens me as a man, as a sinner, and as a saint. The first motive we see is in the heavenly host. In unfallen man, Jesus as the son of Christ. Sorry, the son of man. Um, The second motive appeals to us in our fallen state and points out that the only way through which we can return to our right place is men. In the third motive, we have the mystery of grace, which teaches us that as we lose ourselves in the overwhelming greatness of redeeming love, humility becomes to us the consummation of everlasting blessedness and adoration. In our ordinary Christian teaching, the second aspect of man as a sinner has been too exclusively put in the foreground. Some have even gone to the extreme of saying that we must keep sinning if we are indeed to remain humble. Others have thought that the strength of self-condemnation is the secret to humility. And the Christian life has suffered loss because believers have not been distinctly guided to see that nothing is more natural and beautiful and blessed than to be nothing, so that God may be all. It has not been made clear that it is not sin that humbles us most, but grace. It is the soul led through its sinfulness to be occupied with God in his wonderful glory as God, as creator and redeemer, that will truly take the lowest place before him. In these meditations, I have, for more than one reason, 
almost exclusively directed attention to the humility that becomes each of us as a person. It is not only because the connection between humility and sin is already abundantly set forth in our Christian teaching, but because I believe that for the fullness of a Christian life, it is indispensable that prominence be given to the other aspect. If Jesus is indeed to be our example in his humility, we need to understand that the principles in which it was rooted. We need to find the common ground on which we stand with him and in which our likeness to him is to be attained. If we are indeed to be humble, not only before God, but before men, if humility is to be our joy, we must see that it is not just viewed as the mark of shame because of sin. It must also be understood apart from all sin as a covering with which the very beauty and blessedness of heaven of Jesus. We will see that uh, just as Jesus found his glory in taking the form of a servant, so also he said to us, the greatest among you will be your servant. He simply taught us that the blessed truth, uh, he simply taught us the blessed truth that there is nothing so divine and as heavenly as being the servant and helper of all. The faithful servant who recognizes his position finds a real pleasure in supplying the wants of the master or his guests. When we see that humility is something infinitely deeper than contrition and accept it as our participation in the life of Jesus, we begin to see and learn that it is our true nobility. We will begin to understand that, the being, serv that being servants of all is the highest fulfillment of our destiny as human beings created in the image of God. When I look back on my own religious experience or on the Church of Christ in the world, I stand amazed at the thought of how little humility is sought after as the distinguishing feature of the discipleship of Jesus. In preaching and living, in the daily activities of the home and social life, in the more special fellowship with Christians, in the direction and performance of work for Christ, how much proof there is that humility is not regarded as a, vitali uh, rather as a vitally important virtue. It is in fact the only root from which the graces can grow and the one indispensable condition of the true fellowship with Jesus. The accusation that those who claim to be seeking the higher holiness have not always done so with increased humility is a call to all earnest Christians to prove that meekness and lowliness of heart are the chief marks by which they follow the meek and humble Lamb of God. So when I had started reading this book initially, okay, firstly, I have a complaint. The pages are white. I personally do not like white pages. I find it very, almost a, not astringent. It's just, it's um, it's not comforting to read. It just feels so like clean and and uh, like hospital esque, if that makes sense. Um, so I struggled to read it for some reason. I don't know. That's probably just a, a silly thing on my end. I struggled to read it in the beginning, also because. It is quite in-depth in theology, and as a 14-year-old, I was not really clued up in, in much. So maybe my starting in beginning the, the reading of this book was, uh, it was against the benefit of myself. Um, but afterwards, coming back to it, having a, a change of, of perspective, in actually trying to read, to understand, to apply, I hadn't had that in the beginning. In the beginning, it was just like, I need all of the knowledge in order that I could more accurately know things. But those things didn't really directly apply to my life because I hadn't really lived much of a Christian life yet. I hadn't lived much in actually realizing the person of Christ in my life and seeing that, uh, you know, all of our life um, is is ought to be lived out 
indirect relation to the scripture in obedience to it. So there's this personal relationship with God and it comes out of your understanding of, of, yes, you need knowledge of his word and declaration of his word, but it's out of the person of Christ that you have first known him. And so, you know, not just reading this for the sake of knowledge really helped me again to better understand the information that was in it. Um, And so in the first chapter, it speaks of humility. And I would strongly agree, uh, well, sorry, I'd strongly advise that if you ever do get the opportunity to pick up this book, that you would take a notebook alongside it and maybe a highlighter and a pencil to just take note of certain things that maybe stick out to you or you find very prominent. Um, because there is many, 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 many nuggets of wisdom in here. Just in the way that it relates scripture to life and, and the application of it, um, it's very profound. So in humility, uh, the first chapter, it speaks about the glory of the creature. And in Revelation 4 verses 10 to 11, it says that the 24 elders lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created. When God created the universe, it was with the objective of making man the partaker of his perfect his perfection and blessedness and of showing it in the glory of his love wisdom and power god wished to reveal himself in and through created beings by communicating to them as much of his own goodness and glory as they were capable of receiving but this did not mean that the man was given something which he could possess in itself or in a certain life or goodness of which he had the charge and disposable disposal by no means As God is the ever-living, ever-present, ever-acting one who upholds all things by the word of his power, in whom all things exist, the relationship of man to God could only be one of unceasing, absolute, universal dependence. As truly as God by by his power once created, so truly that that same power must God in every moment maintain. So before I go on, we're going to go into the second song, and then we'll just wrap things up. Um, and cover maybe a a couple more um, lines of this first chapter. So do enjoy and we'll be right back.
Lord, deliver me. Save me from this muddy clay. Among the dead, no one broke today. Who will praise for me, pray? wrapping things up and I'm just going to continue with a couple more lines of the book of humility and then maybe in the in, in one of the following podcasts along the year we'll add a, another one of the books and a little bit of a breakdown of um, maybe what he said in there. So uh, continuing on this page it says that man need only look back to the origin of existence and he will acknowledge that he owes everything to God. Man's chief care, his highest virtue and his only happiness. Now and through all eternity is to present himself as an empty vessel in which God can dwell and manifest his power and goodness. The life God bestows is imparted not once and for all, but each moment continuously by the unceasing operation of his mighty power. Humility, the place of entire dependence on God, is from the very nature of things the first duty and the highest virtue of man. It is the root of every virtue, and so pride for the loss of his humility or the loss of this humility, is the root of every sin and evil. 
It is when the now fallen angels began to look upon themselves with self-satisfaction that they were led to disobedience and were cast down from the light of heaven into outer darkness. When the serpent breathed the poison of his pride, the desire to be like God in the hearts of our first parents, they too fell from their high estate into the all-wretchedness in which man is now sunk. In all heaven and earth, pride and self-exaltation are the gate and the curse of hell. Therefore, nothing can redeem us but the restoration of our lost humility. The original and only true relationship of man to God. And so Jesus became... And so Jesus came to bring humility back to earth, to make us partakers of it, and to save us by it. In heaven, he humbled himself to become man. The humility we see in him, he possessed in heaven. It brought him, and he brought it from there. Here on earth, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Um, just skipping over to the next page, there's a note that I had made that's quite... Um, quite profound and it says that humility is the only soil in which the graces root the lack of humility is the sufficient explanation of every defect and failure humility is not so much a grace or a virtue along with others it is the root of all because it alone assumes the right attitude before god and allows him as god to do all and that's where I'm going to end for this week. I do hope that this was somehow encouraging. And um, if you are, or you've never even considered Christianity, if you you've never even heard of the gospel, um, this is a phenomenal book to pick up. It is not only theologically correct and it is compact, but it is also extremely accurate and beneficial to any believer to not only grow deeper in their relationship with God um, and to better understand um, the things of the Bible and the scripture, but also to uh, really connect with the Lord as their savior. Um, so that is all from me. I do hope that you enjoy it and have a great week. Cheers. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. It's Active Affair.
Of 